The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. It is indeed that time again. Welcome back to the program Afternoons with Mike Heard across the Shepherd Radio Network throughout Orlando, Ocala, the Villages, and Gainesville. It's great to have you all along. I've got a name uh, with me today. (laughs) He's a person with a name. I say that because you may have seen his name on some signs or in the news. He's running for U.S. Congress in District 7, and his name is Brady Duke, and it is great to have him with us here today. Yeah, Mike, it's thank, uh, thank you for having me here. It's great to have you here. You've got quite the background. I mean, reading your bio is like, holy cow, how did you ever have time to breathe as a young man? But you obviously were very involved in a lot of things going on uh, in school. You, you uh, grew up in Central Florida, attended a school in Kissimmee, Gateway High School. Correct. And you were a swimmer. So let's talk about that in the beginning. Yeah, I uh, I started swimming in the summers. Um, that's how it all started. You know, we did summer league swim as a kid. My mom got me involved. Um, my parents both were swimmers. Uh, my dad actually had the national junior college uh, record in the 100 butterfly back in the early 80s. Um, and so swimming is in my DNA. So yeah, I grew wild. up doing it and um, it really took off for me kind of in uh, middle school to high school. And so that's where it really got fun for me. Now, you're one of these tall dudes. That's what I called you when I met you. I said, you're one yeah. tall dude. How tall are you, Brady? I, I'm 6'6". Six, six. That's what I thought. Yeah. You know, now, for those of us that were born in Indiana, that loved basketball, but, uh, <laughs> you know, misusing scripture for sure when I say this, uh, I, I've joked for years about the Bible says the wicked shall be cut off short. And that's what happened to me. So I must have been very wicked. <laughs> but but truthfully, I think every high schooler in Indiana that loves basketball would see your height and they would make the instant assumption that you also played basketball, but you stuck with yeah. swimming. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't tell you how many times you know, I'm out in town and people look at me and they're like, how tall are you? And did you play basketball? Those <laughs> right. are the two Those questions are, I get in town constantly. Right. Yeah. Well, it's not just Hoosiers then that would believe that way. <laughs> but those of us that did have that would look at a guy with 6'6 six, six height and think, man, what a waste if he's not playing hoops. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> but you're jumping into that pool and you're doing some real yeah. stuff with swimming and you know, there have been a lot of tall men that were uh, competitive swimmers uh, throughout yeah. throughout the Olympic history and all yeah. that. So Michael Phelps is a yeah, great one. Exactly. I had somebody I had somebody mistake me for Michael Phelps recently, which was kind of funny. So, um, yeah, I did well in, in high school swimming. You know, once I got in, into it, I did uh, my first year round of swimming was my junior year, I believe, into my senior year, and. There was my coaches were talking about, hey, there's real potential to get to the Olympic trials um, because I began to progress really, really fast. And so by the end of my senior year in swimming, after swimming only a year and a half, probably year round, I ended up fourth in the state of Florida um, in the 100 and 200 free. And so. That's amazing. God's blessed me with a frame to do it. And yeah. so, yeah. And, and also the discipline that it takes for that too, because swimmers are up very early. Yeah. And I know you did that for years. Yeah. I mean, 
I've, I've run into some friends along this, uh, you know, the, along the campaign trail here that reminded me of some stories from high school, actually, in the swim team. Right? And so, yeah. um, you know, I would go to church every Wednesday for a youth group, but that would mean that I would miss practice on Wednesday afternoons. And so I would have to do an extra morning practice um, oh. every week to make up for that. And my coach held me to it. And um, morning practice started at five o'clock in the morning yeah. before you go to school. And so... I have memories of getting up, not wanting to be there, but you know, having to do what you've got to do to be successful. So now, would you have to make that up on a Saturday? Is that what you do? No. So you're required. And when I was in school, you were required to go at least to one morning practice a week. Oh, so you had to do two. And so I would one. have to do yeah. at least two. Ah. Um, and then as I got, you know, there was this talk of, hey, you could be really doing well in the states. Like, let's try to get you to more practices. So there was a time where I was doing two days. Um, to really put in the yardage. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Now, that's one major thing as part of your background. Uh, there Obviously, there's two bigger, big things before we get even to what you're doing with regard to the campaign right now. Secondly, you had in your mind uh, a dream that I think is reserved. I would have no idea what the fraction of American population it would be to say and then become, to say I want to become, a Navy SEAL, but, but you had that, where did that start? Uh, there's military service in my family. Um, my dad was in the coast guard. My stepdad was in the Navy. Um, I think all of my uncles, all of my grandfathers were in the military at some point in their life. Mm -hmm. Um, so military service is something that I, you know, is familiar to me and growing up in the later years of high school, I started to have this conviction about if I served, I wanted to do it at the highest level I could. So the special forces really intrigued me like it does many young men. Um, it's the coolest thing to watch and to be, in, you know, to really see what's going on. And one of my high school swim coaches um, was a SEAL. And that was the coolest thing in the world to me to know that this guy has done some of the hardest things that humans can do. Um, gone through the world's toughest training and he's been places that he can't really talk about done things that he doesn't talk about, yeah. but he was extremely humble. He wouldn't, he wouldn't brag about it. And it was, um, really respectable. And so, um, it was two years after high school, it was a year after high school, um, that, that was when I really felt led to do it was, mm -hmm. you know, I I'm going to go and I'm going to try this. It was a conviction of mine to say, if I don't do this, I'm going to regret not doing it. Mm. Um, and I was a Christian, but I wasn't, didn't have a really close relationship with Jesus. That was something that I was still learning to figure out. And, but I would say it was a conviction from God to say, Hey, this was, this is where I want you to go. And because to your point is there's such a small percentage of people that, um, go in and come out the other side of it. Yeah. I was going to say there's a small percentage that would even attempt it. But yeah. then there's a fraction of that that actually make it right. because of the training, because of the commitment. And I think just because of the skill and talent that people are born with, you obviously made it and you did it. But I've got to believe that you were also helped by those years of discipline Absolutely. In, in the pool doing the swimming. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, you know, being coached, being disciplined, being um, parented, being fathered. Um, hey, you've got to go to practice. You've got to put in the mileage. You've got to put in the yardage if you want to attain this goal. Mm -hmm. um, that pays off. I mean, hours of staring at the bottom of a pool and you're going through that kind of discomfort in a swim practice and having to do the mental battles for hours long. 
um, <clears throat> that really has, I think, a very strong impact on the future trajectory of your life. And that's why I think it's, it's vital for kids to be involved in sports and to really be put in those positions to really test themselves and learn to get almost intimate with that battle between the flesh and the spirit where right. it's like, am I going to tell my body what to do, um, from my soul and my spirit, um, or am I going to let my flesh tell me what to do? Now you compare that Brady for a moment here and think about what that kind of a life, that kind of upbringing, that kind of uh, work and discipline that it takes to do all of that swimming that you did. And you compare that to what a lot of kids are doing today, which is basically playing video games. Right. And you, it is no wonder, is it, what kind of condition our country is in right now yeah. when we have so so few people that are actually growing up with a culture of leadership, growing up with a culture of hard work, which develops a work ethic that follows you for the rest of your life. Right. Uh, it's no wonder we're in trouble. Yeah. It's, it's disheartening to see how many kids are stuck to screens. Um, when you walk around town, when yeah. you go out to eat, you know, you see whole families staring at their phones and no one's talking to each other. Um, it does have a massive impact and it's like just getting out in God's creation to explore, you know, to be challenged by the woods in a sense as a young child, cause mm-hmm. there were the woods behind the house I grew up in. There was a yeah. Creek and I would spend hours back there with my friends adventuring and yeah. playing games and, um, you know, imagination, imagination. And yeah. there's things that, you know, God has, has created this, you know, world so that we would be made strong, that we would be challenged by it, but that it would have such beauty that it would, you know, engage our spirits to really grow. Um, and when we're stuck on man-made's version of that man-made's version of that through a screen, it's, it's a manufactured reality. It's not real, and it's not feeding the hearts and minds of children to develop in the ways that God has intended for us to develop. To me, it's so sad that that, that word, reality, uh, it, you know, which is we know what they're doing, it's termed virtual reality. I hate it that they've grabbed a hold of that word in that term because of the fact that it's not reality, no mm-hmm. matter if they say it's virtual reality. Right. It is at best a copy and a very bad one at that. It is not a a uh, situation where those kids are being equipped and trained and ready for the real life battles that are going to come. I don't care how many hours they played this game or that game. Yeah, that's right. Even in my own home, uh, I battle this with my children. It's we have a TV. It's rarely on. You know, we have an iPad. We have cell phones, obviously, and there is this natural gravitation that their eyes want to look right. And so this is something where I've had to check myself and my wife and I are like, all right, we need to have our own boundaries because our, our behavior on these screens is going to influence their behavior um, for sure. But it is something that is manipulative. Um, There is, and we've seen it and heard it, but it's, they're using the psychology um, to make it so addictive and get people out of true reality, mm-hmm. um, to be looking for something other than what God has created. Um, and it desensitizes and it's, and it is incredibly deceptive. And I think that brings it right back, Brady, <clears throat> to where it needs to be in the realm of the parents to watch over their kids, just the way your dad. Correct. And you obviously mentioned that you came from a military background. So your dad is uh, obviously a, a, uh, a real model, a role model in a lot of ways that you were able to see. But we, again, live in a culture where parents are almost 
being educated and indoctrinated to not be involved. Right. And to let their kids just choose their own way. Right. Go whatever direction they want to go. In. And that that causes me to pull out the rest of the little bit of hair I have left. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fun. It's not fun at all to look at this happen. Yeah. And I agree with you. I can't think of how many times I've been in a restaurant and I look around. And we had four kids. I know you, you've got a lot of kids yourself. Five kids. You've got five. I've a daughter and four sons. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> well, I had three daughters and one son. And uh, so we did a lot more wedding payments than what you're... <laughs> oh, man. I, I've actually thought about that a couple of times. I'm like, well, it's That's one right. wedding. So <laughs> There you go. One wedding and uh, all right, rehearsal dinners for the rest. Yeah. That's, <laughs> That's great. But I, I turn around, I go into a restaurant and I look around. And I see these these parents, and I'm thinking, they do not realize today what it's going to be like tomorrow, yeah, or a year from now, or two years from now. Yeah, what is not being developed today is going to come back, and it will bite them. It will. Tomorrow. It's going. It's going to be there, and it's hard to see. I want to go up and shake them and say, "Do you realize what yeah. you're doing? You right. got to get busy. Train those kids. Get their eyes out of that screen." Yeah. Well, in our time left in this segment, I want to go into what I consider to be the most important thing. You've alluded to it already in any of our lives, and that's our relationship with the Lord and how that not only were you a swimmer who very dedicated as such, but also this amazing feat of military, Navy SEAL, making it, becoming that. But most importantly, you had a relationship that was guiding all of that with the Lord. So tell us about that. Yeah, I um, you know, I, I I got saved when I was twelve. We uh had a we were visiting a church. The pastor came over one evening and shared the gospel with uh, my parents. And I was sitting there. I was about twelve years old, and I just remember hearing everything that he was saying. And we had gone to church before that. We were a part of another church before that. But it was that was the when it really clicked. And I had heard the gospel explained, and my spirit, I just knew that is I need Jesus and. I have done things wrong and I am wrong and I need to be forgiven and I can't fix this. And so in a, in a 12 year old's mind, it's like, you know, there's just simple basic thoughts and, and we see how valuable those, the, the innocence of that is. Yeah. And with no compulsion from anyone, it was just, I just knew I needed to respond. And mm. so I went to my room before he left, I went to my room and I prayed, you know, how I knew I should or could at the time. I just got on my knees and on the bed, you know, and said a quick prayer. And, um, you know, I had responded to what he had said. And it was an honest response. It was from the heart. It wasn't compelled by anything outside. And I felt the Holy Spirit. I felt the Holy Spirit for the first time in my life. And um, that really started, you know, a lot of things in my life. We got involved in uh, church in a big way. We were a part of youth group every Wednesday. Um, I got baptized, and then, you know, in my memory, it's like a number of my my siblings got baptized, and I know that my mom um, and my my dad were they've got baptized again in that season, and um, yeah, got involved in church, and then mm-hmm. you know. It was something that I didn't get into a lot of trouble when I was a kid. Um, but the kind That's of a little the, bonus benefit right there, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so did all of the church things and it was good, you know. It was really good. I had a little bit of a wake up call, um, getting out into the real world. I will say that. It, and this is something I'm candid about is um getting into the military and being a young man 
out in the world by my by myself for the first time. It was okay. You've got to figure out how to live out your faith, mm-hmm. and I did not do it well. Mm-hmm. I did not uh, succeed. Um, you know, I would claim it when it was convenient and stay quiet when it wasn't, and um, you know, make room for my own mistakes and my own sins. And I followed the the ways of the world for a season, and I let the world disciple me. Um, because I think I had a, a more shallow understanding for, um, you know, what a relationship with Jesus was. I, th- I know it was authentic because I knew that this is truth. He is truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had convictions about where my failures were and they were very clear. Um, but that relationship with Jesus was something, um, that I was still struggling to find. Right. So, yeah, well, I appreciate your honesty and candor. And, you know, I think that in itself too causes people who are listening to think, I really like the humility. I really like the just forthrightness. And I think a lot of people today would do better off if they were much more open about things they've failed in yeah. than trying to look. You know, I've had people, people that I love, look at me and tell me things like this. They'd say, you know, never let anybody see your weakness. Never let anybody see your failures. They'll, they'll think you're not strong. Yeah. Ugh. No, that's so wrong. I think it's backwards. It's backwards. Absolutely backwards. Yeah. And, and the more that I've pressed into that, um, the more I can I see God move. And the more I see God move in the lives of, of the people around me. Not because I'm special, but I think it's God wants us to be authentic and be who he's created us to be and boast in our weakness. Because mm-hmm. when we do that, we are made strong through his power, his might, through his Holy Spirit. And it's his spirit that then begins to move through us. That, my friends, is nothing but pure scripture right there, and I appreciate (laughs) that. Brady Duke is my guest. He's running for Congress, U.S. Congress, District 7, and there's obviously a very near election coming up in the primary. It's a crowded field. We'll talk more about all of those particulars in a moment. We're going to end this segment with this break here, and then we'll join us just in a few moments for segment two with Brady Duke right here on Afternoons with Mike. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, EC Waters is a top-trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. If you've considered the natural beauty of a wood floor, then go with a winner. Ability Wood Flooring has been a trusted source and family-owned and operated since 1950. Ability Wood Flooring is voted best of the best and are featured on A&E's Zombie House Flipping. Ability proudly works with Florida's top builders, winning many awards in the Parade of Homes. Get a free design consultation today. AbilityWoodFlooring.com He is a candidate. He's running for District 7 U.S. House of Representatives, the Congress. He is a Central Floridian. Brady Duke is his name. Grew up in the Kissimmee area and lives now in the Oviedo area with his family, five kids and his wife. And he is a a solid believer who loves Jesus and is uh, really now on this road, and it is a crowded road at that, a crowded road leading up to the uh, primary, which is coming up in just a couple of days now, it seems. Correct. Yeah, I know on this day, when this is airing on this Friday, 
uh, it will be, uh, what, just about 10 days away or so, right? Yeah, because as we're recording this, we're at 12. Yeah, yep. 11 days away then, because this is actually going to play on Friday. Uh, and uh, it is it is something, you know, Brady, when I look at what is involved, and, and again, you cannot get away from the culture and the context of this uh, society in which we find ourselves living right now, uh, that almost everything has gotten not only difficult, but it's just downright impossible and for some people to to see a way to to get to what you're doing. They think, how do you do this? How do you fight it? How do you how do you even go about a day's life in in a culture like this when you're trying to stand up for what's right? You're trying to speak what is right, and and a lot of people are saying things that aren't true. Right. And you got to deal with it. Yeah. How do you deal with it? Um, a lot of prayer. To be honest, I don't say that lightly. It is something that, you know, scripture says, pray without ceasing. And it's like when you feel the stress, when you feel the worry, it's we've got to respond um, and respond to him Mm -hmm. and say, Lord, I need you Um, because so much of our flesh can get in the way and taint what we're doing. Pride can get in the way, Um, anger, frustration, you know, all of the emotions that we feel um, that I believe God made us to feel. Um, but we shouldn't be subject to them. Right. Um, they're indicators of what's going on within us, but we need to really always bring that to the Lord. So for me, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a balance of, you know, we've got to speak with truth. We've got to speak uh, with conviction. And the sad reality is, is there's a, so much of the population that doesn't want to hear the truth um, and is actually is running from it. And I, I say that in love. It's like, it's a challenge because there is a lot of deception mm-hmm. in this line of work. Um, not, I would say I'm not being deceptive. It's just people know politics is a dirty business. People say it all the time and they say, why would you go into this? You seem like such a nice, normal guy. <laughs> yeah. You're too nice. To <laughs> You're be. too nice. And I'm like, well, isn't that the thing? Like we need yeah, nice people. Right. We need the light to go into the darkness. We need people of conviction to go there. And if we want to see a change, we need to expect different types of people to get into office to make the change happen and um, usher in the spirit of the Lord so that he will come and bring conviction to those who need to feel the conviction to really see a change in this country. You know, when I was in Gainesville, uh, Brady, you'll love this story. I had a friend of mine that would always invite me over for the Gator games when we moved up there and I became a a Gator fan. I I don't know what, uh, if that, if that upsets you, hopefully it doesn't. I'm sorry about that. But, but we would go and I was cracking up this guy because he was all fun, but he had a foam brick and he kept it right by his recliner. And when there was a play that was called wrongly or somebody did something stupid, he would go, what are you doing? He'd take that foam brick and throw it at the TV. And I I thought, (laughs) you know, that's not a bad idea. I see a lot of opportunities when I'm watching things that's happening, either in politics or talking about a debate, for example. I know you've been through a few of those. Yeah, we just had the last one last night. So. Well, when you're in there, I feel like at times I just want to throw that brick at that TV and say, shut up. That's not true. What are you doing? And you mentioned being nice. I think a lot of people look nice and they really seem like a nice person, yeah. but they don't legislate or they don't rule or whatever position of authority they're in. They're not, they're not making the right, much less nice decisions. Right. And I think that's where... America, whether they realize it or whether they would ever say it or not, they're looking for something that's that's sensible, right? Yeah, 
true. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's our hearts are hungry for authenticity at this point and in this moment of our country, I think. And that's that's something that I'm leading out in is, look, this is my first run for office and I don't know everything. Um, We have been sold on hearing from the perfectly polished, perfectly worded politician Um, but yet we keep getting the same results. Mm -hmm. We have a lack of virtue. We have a lack of moral courage to stand up and do the right thing, but also just be who you are. Um, And that's one thing that I think is extremely vital right now is we've got to say, am I getting sold into what is now, because I've seen behind the curtain, it's so much of this is a marketing scheme and can be used in that way to, to, to deceive people. And so I'm offering myself often like, hey, this is who I am authentically and really. Yeah. Um, and I think we want to see that in our leadership to know who we are getting and that we can trust them to know what they truly think and not just to hear something back that we like to hear mm-hmm. um, because they know that we like to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, you know, that's deception. And we've got to say, you know, I just want a real person that knows, you know, that knows what I'm going through. And is also candid with, you know, whether it's something they need to grow in is, you know, in the debate last night, it was like, I didn't do perfect. And I was, I said it to the audience. I said, look, I'm not perfect. I'm here to grow. I'm an, I'm an unfinished person. And, um, but if, we all are right. That's we are all thing. unfinished Everybody people. Is. And, and in this business, it seems that we're trying to sell the finished person so often. And I think we've got to be wise enough to say like, Am I being sold on something that looks too good to be true? Um, because we've just, for decades now, it's been mm-hmm. the, the perfect polished politician. And it's, I think we, we want to see authenticity. And I know that's what people want to see. That's what they respond to the most. Yeah, I know. I've heard that for years about the Republic, Republican Party being rhino. So well, many of them are what are called rhinos. Yeah. And it's an acronym for Republican in name only. Yeah. Because their actions would be much more liberal, much more non-conservative than uh, what uh, you would typically think of that would be under the moniker of being a Republican. But, right. you know, we have, uh, we have now fr- proof that that has actually existed and created this thing that the former president called the swamp. Right. You know, the, the Washington, D.C. area is yeah. a swamp of people that have their own agendas, their own plans. And the whole idea that was originally formed this country around was that it's a representative republic. Correct. And I don't think many people even know those two terms. Yeah. They don't I, understand them. Right. Um, it, it's, it's an interesting thing to be in this seat and as a candidate, because so often I get asked, you know, what are you going to do to fix this? And I, I do quickly remind them, and no, there's two things to this. It's, it shows that we have been conditioned to look to the leaders and say, Fix it for Fix us. It. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Fix it for us. Yeah. When it's like, well, constitutionally, and I think biblically, it's our responsibility to wield the power that God has given us as yeah. individuals, as families. And the to, person that's asking that question right. or making that statement, right. they're the ones that need to fix exactly. it. Exactly. Get involved in your yeah. community. What issues need to be solved? Engage. Actually get the vote out because how many people vote is actually so low. Um, it's it's really depressing to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is, is I, I'm going to be hopefully God given. I get I, I'm one of four hundred and thirty five. Um, you know, so if we are looking to one person to solve it, that is a form of government that no one wants to have, nor should we have in this country, nor is constitutional. Um, and so we have to really step back and think, what is it in my mindset that I'm assuming because of just the political 
um, rhetoric that we've seen for so long. We're looking for one or two people to be kind of the people that fix all of it. Mm -hmm. And it's, that goes wrong. That's, that's what goes wrong with, with government. If we think that it's going to be one person. So my conviction, just like when I went into SEAL team one, I didn't plan, I didn't walk in there and say, I'm here to be a sniper because I'm going to be a, a really good guy and you need me here. Um, I showed up and I did the job that was handed to me and I worked as hard as I could with excellence. And that made room for me to be able to become a sniper, which is rare as a, as a new guy. Yeah. Um, and so that's the mindset of going into this is I'm going to be a part of a team and it's really it's my responsibility to work as diligently as I can to form really good relationships and band together with people with similar convictions um, and sim and like integrity so that we can move the ball forward for the American people. I'm not going to overpromise and underdeliver. That's my conviction. I love that. I think it's so important that we realize that we can bring reality going back to, back to that word that we discussed in segment one to bring a sense of reality and honesty into the discussion because so much of what we're hearing today, I mean, let's face it, even this big uh, boondoggle of, a, of a, a bill that was passed this past week, all in the name of inflation busting, yeah. uh, it is, it's all talk. And uh, when you get into the finer points of looking at that, it's just more debt and more yeah. bad decisions that are going in. And this is what is happening uh, to our country, and it's happening to our populace. But the sad thing, Brady, and this is what I know you already know, uh, so many people that are, that are out there that are b buying into what's being told to them, they really don't have a clue because they're not keeping up with it. All they're listening to is is that line. Yeah, and it, and it comes down to the reality. What re what what reality are we actually engaging in? Yeah. the most. Yeah. and is it is it the phone? Is it the social media? Is it the constant news feed? Or are we engaging with our families? Are we engaging with our neighborhoods, our communities to see what is it that is ha actually happening in reality? And yeah, we need to be connected and see the news and see what's going on. Um, but it, it's we were meant to be in community and look people in the eye. Mm -hmm. um, it's 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 just sad that we are the most connected um, in technology than we've ever been, but yet the more the most lonely that we've ever been as a society. It's funny how those two things come together. We're connected in one sense and disconnected in yeah. another. Yeah, completely disconnected. Right. I mean, you're right to the point of being isolated and lonely. And you'd think, how can that happen? I've got uh, how many friends, you know, they would say on Facebook, on Facebook right. and Instagram. I've got all these thousands of friends, but there's no one that calls me when I'm sick. Right. Because there's this virtual reality that is not true reality. Yeah. What was the straw that broke the decisions back for you to run for office? What happened <laughs> that you said, okay, that's it. That's enough. I've got to do this. Well, it was a, you know, a number of things. So we were living out in San Diego for, since I left active duty. So I was in San Diego from 2006 to 2015, all through my active duty service. I worked for the SEAL teams as a civilian for four years after that. And we stayed out there. We had an amazing community of faith. We mm -hmm. got involved in ministry out there. I was training law enforcement and SWAT teams all over the country. Lockdown happens 2020. There was already movements in my wife and I's heart about when are we moving home, which is here in central Florida. And it'd been, it'd been there for years. And this was something that was like, okay, we're done. We're, we are moving home. This is it. Lockdown was, it was the most lockdown place in the country almost. 
and it wasn't showing signs of letting up and we were not satisfied with our tax yeah. dollars going yeah. to what they were going to in California. Oh, I can only imagine. Um, so that was it. We're like, we're moving home and we moved home. I was continuing work with SWAT teams and law enforcement. And, um, you know, this conviction started forming in my heart and there were some people just at random that had said, you know, you, you would be good in politics. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, I don't want to go near I, it. That is not, that is not me <laughs> at all. Um, but this conviction, this little whisper just kind of was so consistent. And I was like, all right, Lord, like, I appreciate like you're encouraging me in some way to be a leader. Um, but I don't, that politics is definitely not what you're saying. And he just kept hitting it and hitting it. And I ended up um, doing some work in the executive protection area. And it was just like, there were doors in front of me that would make this a reality that I couldn't have choreographed. I wasn't looking for that job specifically. God had guided me to that place and the conviction was overwhelming. And I started praying through it for months before I went to my wife. And once I felt I was pretty close to the, yes, this is where the Lord is leading me to go. Went to her and she said, yes, I feel in my spirit that this is, I can get behind this a hundred percent and, um, went to wise counsel and, you know, the Lord had confirmed it there as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was, you know, I'm new to politics. I didn't know, I didn't know what I was doing. So I started consulting with people and asking a lot of questions about it before I had formally pursued it. And I tell people all the time, this is a mission of conviction. Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't be doing it otherwise. I have had zero dreams of being in politics, zero motivations to be in politics in my life. I've had no desire to ever pursue this um, ever. And so that's one of the things is when you turn your life over to the Lord, um, because it was back in 2018 that I had a really, really powerful encounter with God that has set me um, in a new place with him, um, deeper with him than ever before in my life. And so it was when you start living your life and saying, Lord, this is your story. Um, this, this life is for me to give to you and offer to you, right? To be mm -hmm. a living sacrifice to you. Um, and he guides us and directs us. And oftentimes we're saying like, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like I've, I'm not prepared for this. Yeah. I'm not equipped for this. Right. And I have been learning like crazy, um, all the way through this journey. And so I'm candid about, my, you know, being green in this and, and not knowing all the answers. But I think that's really, uh, what we need in a lot of ways. And as I share that with people, what they say is, you know, that is so refreshing to hear someone who's getting in politics, who's here to ask the questions yeah, and here to actually understand the issues of the people around them in the community and not just tell them, this is the solution I have for you. And so often we've settled with the person who's here to say, this is the solution I have for you. Whereas constitutionally and biblically, it's no, you have the power. God's given you the rights. It's my job to ensure that you are as free as possible to exercise those rights yeah. because I can't tell you what to do with your family, with your money, with your medical decisions, how you school your children. It's it's not my right to tell you how to do that, but ensure that you're free to do that. That's a great distinction. You know, the whole thing that you're talking about is a journey and no one ever uh, who starts off where God knows every step of the way that it's going to work out this way right. or, or that way. And I think about Abraham who was called out and he didn't know what he was necessarily yeah. called into, Yeah, but he knew what direction 
that he was supposed to go. Correct. And he obeyed and went that direction. And all the steps along the way, he was learning. And I would submit, if if you are voted in as our next representative here in District 7, uh, that your journey is going to be still like that. It, a absolutely. One step at a time. Yeah. And people ask me, so what about this and what about that? And it's not that I haven't given it thought, but I think it's really about as God as God is guiding me, you know, I'm walking it out. And just as Abraham was sent out, you know, yeah. you will go to the land that I will show you. That's it. I will just show you. You start, don't, you just don't start see it all walking. yet. <laughs> just start walking That's and right. you're going to hear my voice. I love that. And, you know, it's that analogy like you can't steer a car that's not moving, right? You can't do it. My guest is Brady Duke running for Congress. We'll be back with him. One more segment coming up on Afternoons with Mike. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Are you looking for the right franchise to open your own business? Green Flag Franchise has the experience and knowledge to help match your business plan with your goals and values. Is your business ready to become a franchise? Green Flag Franchise will help you explore the potential and benefits of franchising your existing company. For a free consultation and coaching, visit GreenFlagFranchise.com. That's GreenFlagFranchise.com. Such a fun chat today with Brady Duke, who is running for Congress District 7. Uh, August 23rd is the primary, and it's a crowded field. And as he mentioned earlier, uh, several, I think you said seven candidates. Eight. Oh, eight candidates. Yeah. Eight candidates, you and seven others running in this primary. So it is important for if you live in District 7 that you become aware. And uh, Brady, won't you go ahead and give us how people can check your information out, learn a little bit more about you, maybe even donate to your cause. Absolutely. Um, just so everyone's clear, District 7 is all of Seminole County and Southwest and South Volusia County. And so if you're in that district, um, you know, definitely look me up. BradyDuke.com is my website. There is There are links there so that you can donate, so you can join our team. Um, we've got some swag there, shirts and signs and all the fun stuff. And so that's definitely where people can reach out to us is bradyduke.com. Bradyduke.com. It can't get any simpler than that. You know, Brady, when we uh, think back about uh, this program and what we aim to do, we look at things in life, and that that's the whole gamut from business to uh, just everyday living with parents and what our children are going through, including politics, the things that are happening in our life right now. This has been uh, one of those weeks that it, it's anything other than a slow news week. This right. has been crazy. But in a real way, it's been this way ever since November of 2020. And, and before that, there's always been this massive amount of stuff to talk about. And what we try to do when we ever talk about things going on in life, we try to look through the lens of a biblical worldview and say, how does our knowledge, what is my relationship with the Lord? Uh, how does that help me interpret what I'm seeing, what's going on? I think you're really qualified to do that. When you look over what's happening in our country, what do you see? 
um, a lot of concerning things. I mean, you know, it's, I think back to even as my wife shares with what she had heard from her parents growing up of like, the end is coming, the end is coming. And it's, I'm not one to make claims like that. That is not at all what I'm saying, but it's just very concerning to see the moral decay in this country. Um, there is a clear agenda to push God out of our schools, um, out of our country, and out really? of, you know, to yeah. have the freedom to really be open about your faith in God, which is, you know, such a fundamental part of our founding. Um, when you start to do that, you start to erode, you know, the convictions of the people when people are, uh, the, this is a war between truth and lies. It's when we are, I think there's just, so much division because there are there's such a, a lack of the pursuit of truth. Um, people are afraid of truth. I think, as I said earlier, um, I think the thing that we should hope to see is that when we encounter truth, that we should be looking to follow those who encounter truth and then adjust to the truth. Mm -hmm. And those who think they are defining truth or creating truth are those that we should look out for. Um, to be honest, is. Um, we don't create the truth. It's God who's made this universe and he's made it so that we can discover it. It's like math. It's there. We didn't create math. We discovered math. Um, and so we have to be very wise and discerning as to who are we following in this journey? Um, are these people of humility? Are these people of conviction to say, hey, this earth is something that we've been given to steward this breath in my lungs is mm -hmm. something that I've been given to steward. How is it being used? Is it being used to bring life to people? Is it being used to um, encourage people, to bring people together, to uh, create a stronger community, to create a stronger economy and stronger country? Um, or are we being duped into outrage politics and looking for where we can divide each other up? Um, you know, some of the biggest concerns, you know, we saw President Trump's house raided. Um, and so this is stuff that shouldn't be happening in the United States of America. Unprecedented. Unprecedented to see a large uh, arm of the Department of Justice to be used as a political hammer. Um, it's To me, it's very clear that that's what's going on. Um, and it's very concerning. This is something, you know, when that happened, it's we woke up in a different country than when we went to sleep in, when we got that news. Yeah, um, I agree. It's, it's very scary to see what's going on. Um, we have people who think that they are um, in charge of this country um, and think that they can use their places of power um, to continue to pursue their purposes and their goals when we know that position of honor um, to serve in any capacity in the government and the leadership of this country um, should be held very, very um, delicately um, and respectably. And realize that they will be held accountable for that. They're going to have to answer for that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when we see uh, the trying to make the government bigger with the bill that's being passed, eighty-seven thousand more IRS agents. Right. This that's... is only a move to increase the arm of the government against the people. Yes, that's, that's truly how we have to see this. Somebody um, said that if if you see what they've done to President Trump in the yeah. Mar-a-Lago raid. Yeah. Imagine what they are going to do to the average American right. citizen. Right. That's it's, amazing. Yeah, it is amazing to 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 attack a former president's residence. Um it, there is no absolutely no reason for that. Um he has been compliant 
with everything that every attack that's come against him with the authorities, there is absolutely no reason he could have been subpoenaed to give the documents that they were supposedly after. Um, to raid the government, the, the former president's house is completely out of line. I agree. Um, you know, what we're seeing uh, with China is very concerning. We've got, they have such leverage over us economically. Um, you know, the solution is we've got to prioritize our, the home front. We've got to prioritize what we're doing here. Are we energy independent? Um, there's no reason that we shouldn't be ener- energy independent. Mm-hmm. We should be proud of being strong because we are the freest country in the world. We are the greatest country in the world. And these are things that we are that because we've honored God in this process. And as, as the more we turn our backs on him, uh, I think the more tribulation that this country is going to feel. Oh, I tell you, I think you're right on that, man. And it's tough. You know, we were energy independent up until day one of this administration. And, and it only took day one right. for that whole course that had developed. I, I remember way before uh, years, years ago, back in the early 70s, when uh, gas prices jumped all the way up. And I remember the first time, you'll laugh at this, I pulled up to a pump and I thought, ain't no way I'm paying this much gas had gone up to 40 cents a gallon. (laughs) And I thought, this is highway robbery. What is going on? This energy crisis, what in the world? Well, I at times had paid as low as 18 cents a gallon, you know? So now you look at it and you talk about pain at the pump. Yeah, man. I mean, Americans are still feeling it. And isn't it interesting that there has been such a drop the, the president distanced himself from any increase, blamed it all on Putin. Yeah. But when the prices began to drop, right. he took all the credit. Right. And I think it's, it's sad to see how, many, how much of the population can't see that contradiction. Um, he's blamed it on Putin, um, as you just said, and then he tries to take credit um, when it goes down. And it's, it, he is not awake. He's not awake. He's asleep at the wheel. I think it's just blatantly apparent. I don't want to make it a personal attack, but it's just, it's sad to see. Um, I feel for him. I don't think it's fair to have him in that position because he's just cognitively, he's not there uh, the way that a president of the United States should be. I think we're all seeing that and the world is seeing it too. And and sadly, the world is making fun of not only him, but all of America. Our country. It's heartbreaking. You know, one thing I want to talk about in this last little bit that we have together here, Brady, uh, often we hear the moniker lawmaker tied to a person of Congress or or in the Senate. And and it's really true. I mean, that's what you guys do. You vote on things, you you make policy there, and those policies become law. Right. And right now we're living at a time where it seems to be what Americans do. America's definition of rule of law is completely just being ignored Correct. and bypassed. Is Correct. that right from your standpoint? Oh, absolutely. And I think the biggest example of that is a southern border issue, right? We have laws on the books um, that are just simply not being enforced, right? Um, as if they don't exist. So this is causing what we all know, the immediate issues, the, you know, pouring across the southern border, terrorists, drugs, human traffickers, um, we here in Seminole County are feeling the effects of that um, with the fentanyl issues going on all over the country. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the immediate things, but you have the longer term to get to the point of, you know, the rule of law is when you're conditioning the younger generation uh, to disregard that and think, well, certain rules only apply when certain people are talking about them um, really can cause a moral decay 
when we start to disregard that rule of law. Mm Because we wouldn't have this problem if we were just simply holding the line and saying, this is illegal, so we are going to enforce it. And this is affecting American families today, and we are going to put a stop to it. It's not a, that shouldn't be a political issue in the sense of that's, you know, sensitive and this party's this and that party's that. No, this is about keeping Americans safe. Um, It's as simple as that. It doesn't have to be a partisan issue. I had a friend who was on with me earlier this week, and he called what was going on right now a political temper tantrum. And and that's really what's happening right now. I mean, for this kind of a response, and you so wonderfully articulated, I believe, the truth about what has been going up until now. The president, uh, former President Trump's uh, team has been complying with everything. Right. But the fact that there's still this concern and this animosity, uh, most of which is uh, has been proven to not hold merit. Think about all of the Russia uh, mess that was out there and a couple of impeachments and you go, you know, and then you get at the end of the day, that whole investigation that was gone into that. And and then you find out there's nothing there, nothing there. There's no proof that they had. They, even though they said they could corroborate proof and prove it, they never did. Never did. So the rule of law is really on, I believe on life support right now in this country. And it's going to take people like yourself getting involved, getting to Congress and saying, no, we're not going to keep doing this. Right. I think today's politics has really fallen to the state of, well, my job is to get the person on the other side of the aisle back. And it's like, that's not that's not someone's job in, in politics. That's not a legislator's job. The legislator's job is to be here for the American people. To represent To them. represent them and move the ball forward for America. Mm-hmm. And so it has fallen to the state of, well... It, you attacked my party, I've got to attack your party back. And it's, we've got to, at some point, we've got to have someone say, enough, let's start to get things done for the American people so that they have food on their table, so they have baby formula, so they have lower gas prices, so they have access to cheap groceries, mm-hmm. and so they have secure borders. Um, because if we continue to result to, hey, I'm just going to go and hit this guy back because he hit me, like that's not Christ. That is not Christ. That is not the Lord. That is a political temper tantrum. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Brady Duke, it's been great to have you with us today. And God bless you, man, as you are in the final uh, days. August 23rd, again, is the um, upcoming uh, primary. And uh, it is going to be uh, something for all of Seminole County and part of Volusia County. You can get all the details. Go to that website one more time. BradyDuke.com. Thank you for being with me, Brady. Thank you very much for having me. It's my joy. And friends, we'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.